0: come on somebody amen Uh, i'm so excited that you're here i'm excited to be in the lord's house you know it's odd uh, a week ago last sunday we were 25 to 28 degrees coming off of that thursday night friday night of zero degrees and now it's 60 something degrees um i'll take it won't you I've decided that I don't feel like a missionary to like Montana or anywhere. I like the mountains, but I think I'd rather go there in the summer now. I um, have you know, a few amens out there. I, I, I appreciate so much you being in service. It's going to be a great day, and I'm excited to share the word of the Lord. Let me echo a little bit of what uh, Jace was saying for just a moment about we are going to try to increase our emphasis on missions uh, this year with a uh, with more missionaries that we're going to give the opportunity to come be a part of our services especially on uh, so, some Sunday nights and some Wednesday nights but um, at the end of this month the last month or the last Sunday in January it's a five Sunday month we've got uh, a Mike and Melanie Lutz who are missionaries to Ukraine and they're going to be in service with us and we, we were able to schedule that, uh, and they are here in the States because of the war in Ukraine. And we felt like it would be a great opportunity for them to kind of, I mean, from a, you know, right, almost first-person, you know, um, experience to kind of give us an update of what it's like for the people that are going through the war and the need for us to support missions and missionaries, right? ongoing effort and then certainly whenever that war does come to a close so i uh, just wanted you to put that uh, to put that on your calendar we're actually planning on having a um a revival that day it's called the dinner fellowship yes, come on somebody amen, amen. and <laughs> so we'll give you more information but I, but i just wanted to kind of toss that out you know right now just so you'll know that there that and many others are going to be on schedule with us this year and we do appreciate so much your faithfulness in giving to god right, to support the missions and missionary efforts of the Assemblies of God and beyond. We don't just support uh, the Assemblies of God missions efforts, though we do focus the majority of our resources towards, uh, we're very grateful, Um, we'll be having a business meeting in late February, probably it's going to be a little bit later at that time, sometime between now and then all the members will be able to give, see the financial giving, but I saw a little portion of it in last year, thus far, not counting benevolence, not counting some other outreaches that we were a part of, um, we were able to give $75,000 towards missions in the assemblies of God last year as a church family. And so you did that, right? And that was not from one large donation. That's just through the faithfulness of men and women, just like yourself, taking that envelope. And when you write down a tithe, you often write down something for missions right there. And from that Uh, giving and that moment there we've been able to be a blessing to a a lot of um, a lot of opportunity for the gospel to be shared amen we're going to believe for even greater things this year so i ask you to take your bibles and turn with me to psalm 37 let me go ahead and share with you if you receive our phone tree Um, It's actually not called the phone tree anymore. It's actually called One Tree Now. I don't know if y'all know that. I still call it the phone tree. It was two different marketing systems. And um, I told you yesterday I was going to start at least a three-part sermon series on the will of God, pursuing and discovering the will of God. And I told you I was going to minister today, and this is a part of the sermon series on overcoming indecisiveness and because I believe that when you're pursuing the will of God, that sometimes we are crippled by our own indecision. And, and I'm looking forward to sharing that, but it was late last night that I just felt like I told Sh- Sister Sherry, I said, Sherry, I'm undecided about my sermon on indecision. And I don't care where you're from, that is funny right there. <laughs> that is good, isn't it, Jeff? And so I knew in my heart um, that it was it was it was the right word, but not for the right time. I've got to I need a little bit that needs to cook just a little bit longer. But there was another word, and these are sermons that I went back and I I'm going to start the new year with this series. I went to some of my sermon notes that I'd preached previously, and I'm not a uh, uh, an evangelist that's preaching the same message often because I'm traveling, you know, week to week. Uh, very seldom do I preach the same message, and sometimes it bothers me that I do, but then I think to myself, I'm not for sure if I polled the church right now that over 50% of you could tell me what I preached about last week, much less a message that I preached in 2016 or 2009, right? So there's not going to be a quiz at the end here today. I know I got you nervous on this today, so I was able to go back because I went to I went to a sermon file that I have called The Will of God, and I was able to pull out about 10 or 12 sermons, and I was just able to, over the entirety of the week to just think and ponder and search and put these down in my heart and agitate because I felt like as we went into the new season, the new year, that there would be people who were pursuing God for wisdom and direction for the year. And it will involve decision-making at some point in time. And I want to give you the principles that I think are very... Uh, Pertinent to make good decisions, and so that's going to come. And this is a part of the will of God sermon series here today. And um, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We'll read eleven verses of scripture. This is the psalmist David writing, but we're going to start out a little bit different here. It says, "Fret not." I love that. I love the King James English. I don't know why. I don't watch your bot. Yours, a, you know, but fret not fret not thyself, you you sometimes need to talk to yourself that way, don't don't fret because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, that's exciting, and wither as the green herb, trust in the Lord, and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed, delight thyself also in the Lord. Y'all ought to be reading this with me. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That's powerful, isn't it? But let's don't end right there. Let's read it further. We're going to read through verse 11. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Let's not, gain, let's not be envious over the wicked, right? Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. Last verse, we could have read it on. It says, but the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. What a powerful verse of scripture, written by the sweet psalmist of Israel, David himself, to exhort us that God cares about little things in our lives, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives, come on, and he will even give us the desires of our heart when we delight ourselves in him, isn't that right? I want to start the new year with this sermon I'm entitled, it's not very, um, you know, creative, but it's a, a, a title of today's message, part of the Will of God series, it's a new year, and I, I do hope that, t- that today's message gives you hope. I believe in hope, he's the God of hope right? And we need hope. And, but in order to have a new hope, sometimes you got to have a new perspective. You do. you just got to change your perspective. Sometimes you got to look at things from God's lens. Isn't that right? So I'm going to pray that today. Would y'all pray this with me? Let's ask the Lord that preaching would come easy at this house. I believe it will, don't you? Let's pray. Father, I love you. I'm so grateful to be here. So honored to be amongst the church family, who have come out with their families. i met and see many of their families that are with them today as they're continuing in the holiday, Father, from Christmas to New Year. We're just trusting that right now is going to be a very special moment. You're the God that has empowered preaching. Father God, your word said by the Apostles' pen, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel. I pray today, Father, in Jesus' name, that you give us eyes to see, and ears to hear, and our heart, and a heart to understand your word today. Lord, I prayed this privately, and I want to pray it publicly with the church family before we turn to the exhortation. Father, make my tongue the pen of a ready writer today, God. I pray, give me a word in season for he that is weary today, God. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen and amen. This message was originally entitled when I preach this message and I went back and I've spent the course of part of this week and then especially last night when I when I made a decision to change and go this direction it was originally entitled your life can be what you make it by the grace of God and we'll take a moment of time here just very quickly I believe in the power of the gospel don't you I believe in the power of the preaching of the word of God I believe in Jesus's redemptive work both in his life and in his ministry and his, um, his death on the cross, his subsequent burial and resurrection, and the power and the virtue that it is released in the life of an individual when you receive the gospel. Come on, somebody. It elevates your life in every area. Not only do we have the hope of eternal life that we have with the Father because of Christ, but we also have hope for living. Right, we, we, we are able to change and become moldable and, and conformable to the will of God. And I, want, I hope that through my message today, I hope that you don't look at this message if you're a visitor here and you walk out of this, of this church today and say, man, that pastor, he's preaching a social gospel. Because if that's what you think about me, you probably don't know me very well. If you think, you know, that pastor, he's probably one of those pastors, he doesn't preach about political issues. Well, let me just go and say that. You probably don't know me very well. And so, but at the same time, I, I, I do believe in hope. I, I just, I, I want people to live life with a greater expectation, right? And so, and I believe in faith. But see, faith often springs from hope. And, and I believe that in order for us to have hope, sometimes you do have to change your perspective. And so as we go into this series here, I just want us to pursue and to say, you know, and to just to understand God's perfect will in our lives and to seek after it. And I believe that God's perfect will is a sanctified life, set apart for God's glory, right? I believe it's to live a quiet and peaceable life, which I'm going to address here in a few moments. I do believe God's desire is to prosper each one of us. We say this to one another privately. We'll say things like, I pray that you have a prosperous new year. Right, We extract that from 3 John 2, where the, John says, I pray, and beloved, above all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in health. We know that we live in a generation where that has been probably manipulated at times, and, but at the same time, we, are able, we don't have to go to the far side of the pendulum, do we? We can remain more centric with that truth and say, yeah, I may still have some, some, some challenges in my life, but God is still working in me, and God's design for me is still good. Right? And so, and I know, I know today that there are extreme examples of, of hardship and suffering around the world where people are suffering as a result of persecution for their faith. And that's the exception. And we pray. And we don't know our future. We may find ourselves one day in a season of extreme persecution. But I still believe that it is the will of God for his people to reflect his great grace to a darkened world. I believe you can choose... I said it last Sunday. I believe you can choose to have peace. You can choose to have joy. And you can choose to walk in love. You can choose to live life with a smile. Let me tell you something about you. You may not know this. You probably should because I've told you many times. But you were blessed to be a blessing. And your life will be forever greater enriched if you determine that blessings that have come to you Are that you so that you can be a greater blessing to other people? That you live your life that way. I know the world is an evil place and it's a dark place. That's why God's design is for you to be a light in a dark place. Come on now. And I believe that in every area. I truly do. I believe that means you personally, within your own heart, but, but also whatever makes up your home, every home is different. We can't look at them all the same. Your marriage is different, whether you're single or whether you're married. But I just believe that that blessing, that favor and that grace upon your children, I believe it's all been designed by the Father for blessing, blessed to be a blessing, God kept ancient Israel during the days of the Exodus. He took them from Egypt. He walked them through the wilderness. They were in Canaan's land. And as long as they remembered the Lord God, then God God promised to bless them. And I know that if you have studied the Word of God, you will discover, and you have discovered, that God's will to bless you, and it is His will to bless you, but you have to do your part. Can I have just a little bit more monitor right here to my left? It'll help me some. So let me give you a couple texts of Scripture. When I say, what do you mean to do your part? You know, it said in that text of Scripture, delight yourself in the Lord, right? And then he said, commit your way to the Lord. And then he said, wait upon the Lord. And so when God put Adam in the garden, everything that he needed for life was in the garden. When he didn't have a helpmate, God brought it to him. He had shelter, he had provision, and he had relationship. And his clothing bill was next to nothing. (laughs) But this is one of my, I'm telling you, this is a key verse of Scripture for your life, and it will help your perspective if you'll see yourself in this verse of Scripture, Genesis 2 and 15. It says, And the Lord God took the man, and he put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And so it's your responsibility. It's your job to work it, to serve, to labor to hedge it about, to whatever your life is. I want you to know today, we live in a generation, we live in a generation where we are envious of other people, where we, where we long for what other people have, where we often get into a spiritual funk and we complain about certain things. And I just want you to know, sometimes you got to change your perspective and you got to get up and take care of your garden. Let me go a little bit farther. I'm preaching myself happy. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting, but we're going to build upon it just a little bit. The garden was God's gift, and it would be, and it could be productive, and it would bring forth life. But Adam had the responsibility to manage it and till it and to keep it. And I just believe that that reflects our lives, that we've got to do our part. God's desire and his design is for us to walk in blessing. But you can't be negligent of spiritual principles And expect the fullness of God's blessing. I'm going to show you another passage of Scripture that's helped me greatly. In Proverbs chapter number 24, verses 30 through 34. i want to turn there myself in my text as they put it on the screen. And I want you to keep this in context to the passage in the garden of Genesis 2 and 15. So now Solomon says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man who was void of understanding. Paul's right there it's my my responsibility as your pastor to help encourage you to grow in your understanding as it relates to your communion with God and his expectation for you that's my prayer for us right here and it's in this revelation here this man was void of understanding and so Solomon says when I saw his field and his vineyard it was grown over with thorns and nettles it covered, that, was, that had covered the face thereof. The stone wall was broken down. And he said, Solomon said, I pondered this. He said, I look, I saw it, I considered it. Which means, he said, I pondered, I thought about this. I looked upon it, and he said, and through what I saw with my own eyes, he said, I myself received instruction. Here's what happened. The man that he's talking about, he said, he took an opportunity. He said, in a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. And he was overcome, verse 34, with poverty and want as a result. I'm telling you, God's provision is sure, and God's promise of blessing is great, but we've got to do our part. We can't just sit back idly and, and expect God to honor, number one, it could be our poor decisions. Many times we've made poor decisions in life. And when you make poor decisions in life, it takes time to overcome those poor decisions. And we're going to talk about that most likely next week. But be very careful that you don't sit back and complain about everyone else's life and and with envy in in your heart. I just want to encourage you, begin the new year with a new perspective. Take control of your life by the grace of God. God's given you a lot of things. Start, as Jay said a moment ago, start with what you have. We're always envious for what we could have. How about we just start honoring God with what what we do have, and we have our perspective. Get a new repetitive attitude before God in spirit. I tell you what, some of you need a hedge clipper for Christmas, right? Because let me tell you this. Let's see if we could transition this spiritually for a minute. Second Peter chapter number one says this in verse number three: God has given to every one of us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that you need to live a life that's pleasing to God on the earth, God's given it to you through the person of Christ. God's given Remember, I spoke to you earlier in First Timothy 2. It says that it's the will of God that we live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. That's something that I believe that all of us should be in pursuit of, right? That I would rather, the proverb says, and I can't, I can't quote it exactly, but it said that, that, that I would rather eat just a little in a house with peace than to have a feast in a house where there's contention, right? And that's how I feel in my heart and life. I would rather have just a little bit with the peace of God upon it. Godliness, it says in 1 Timothy 4, is profitable unto all things. It has the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come, 1 Timothy 4 and 8. And so let me give you another verse of Scripture. I'm going to drop this down in your heart, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. Y'all can read it there with me says that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things that are done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. I believe you're going to give account before God one day, right? And, and we're going to have to stand before him, and it's not just the spiritual things, it's the material things as well. It's the resources that God's brought into our lives that we're going to stand before God and, and God's going to ask us to, to account for those things of what he's blessed our lives with. And I want to start with my own attitude. You know, back in the 70s and in the early 80s, there was a, a common thought that we, we shared amongst ourselves. It was called stinking thinking. Does anybody remember that? And we're, stinking thinking is how we often said it. And, and, and I just, I don't want to have that in the new year. I want to have a mind that's stayed upon the Lord. I want to have good thoughts as a man thinketh in his heart, so is He. right? I want to believe God for things and, and His grace so that I can walk in the power of His blessing to be a blessing, not to just to consume, but to actually pass blessing to other people. And so I want to encourage you, as I began to think about that passage in, in, in Psalm again, as I was shifting in my heart from decision-making, which this is a part of it, because but at the same time, we'll come back to clarity. It's said in that passage there in verse number 4 of Psalm 37, that if you will delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. Let you believe that. About seven of you believe that verse of Scripture. Well, that means I've got work to do today. I want to say it again. Let's read it, and let's get it in our heart. The psalmist David prophetically, now listen, if this is a psalm, it means that not only has it been penned, but it was sung. So the psalmist David very possibly did not write it and then sing it, It's possible that he prophetically sung it and then it was written. And David, perhaps in his meditation, just began to say, Man, if you'll just delight yourself in the Lord, come on, just delight yourself in the Lord. Just delight, think about his goodness, think about his grace, think about his kindness, think about his mercy that endureth for a thousand generations. Think about that you were down, but now you're lifted up. Think about that you were impoverished, but now he's provided for you. Think about when you were sick, but now you're whole. Think about you were broken, but now he's healed you. Delight yourself in the Lord. And when you do, he'll give you the desires of your heart. So this message was extracted here today when I, wrote, when, I, when, when, when I preached this message was in 2016. And I preached it in the context, very quickly, of that when Sherry and I was, was living on what we call our first farm on Yuba Road that's now the home of the Evans family. And, and th- they, they came in and purchased that farm from us. And thank God, I love them, and I, I, uh, I'm so glad that they're here in a part of our church. that thrust us into a season without a home but a new farm. And, uh, but at the same time, we worked very hard, and we have since uh, built our home, and we're still working on it. And I, 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 then when I preached this message, I took that the desires of our heart, and, and, I, and I, I thought on that, and I, and I said, you know, Sherry and I love the farm. We do. Did y'all know that? Y'all not as excited about it as we are. That's all right. I'm not through yet. And so we like living on the farm, and, and, but, but at the same time, it comes with some challenges. Uh, but at the same time, I keep it on purpose for a, for a multitude of reasons. Number one is if y'all thrust me out, I've got something to fall back on. Doesn't pay very well, but at least we'll have beef to eat. And now, pork and chicken. Hallelujah. Ha, <laughs> ah, that's funny. Number two, though, and the biggest reason that we, we that I personally, is that is our hobby. I, I know when I went on vacation this past year, and, and I told y'all, and JoJo talked about it because we watched the message, that I sent a, a video of us recording um, elk on the golf course at Estes Park, and because uh, we just went to the driving range, we didn't play. Because I don't, I don't, I don't play golf, and I barely go fishing. I don't do. I mean, I don't have time pastime. Because if you own a farm, your farm is your pastime. And mine and Sherry's date is uh, a mule, and I'm not talking one that we have to feed. We have to put fuel in. Is the this ours? It's a Kawasaki mule, and uh, it's a two seater. And I don't know why people buy three seaters. It's why I never wondered why young couples had a king-size bed. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sherry and I had a double bed. Never mind, we also had six children, but that's all right. <laughs> I have a callous mule It's a two-seater because then my wife is sitting right beside me, and that is our date, to be able to drive out there into the field and sit for a little while and just watch the animals uh, from there. But I keep, it, I keep it because, let me tell you the reason why that I, that I, I, I continue to live on a farm when I don't have to. It's because the Scriptures were written in an agricultural culture. They were written, and we live today in an artificial culture. We do. The, the Scriptures were written with natural principles. When Jesus, let me tell you, when you think about Jesus, Jesus was raised in Nazareth, and then you think about the parables that he taught later. The reason why those parables, they were of divine revelation. Yes, absolutely, quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit. But they were also from his own personal experience. You think about not later when he went to Galilee and he lived, Nazareth is a part of the Galilee region, but later when he moved to Capernaum and he was beside the seaside, then yes, there were certain principles that were related to that season there. But when he was in Nazareth, Nazareth was on the hillside, the Judean mountains, or not really mountains, but rugged hills called the hill country. But in the valley, the Jezreel Valley that runs alongside of Nazareth, it was there that was agricultural. And Jesus taught a parable about the lost sheep. Or he taught a parable about a growing seed, or especially taught a parable about, uh, about the, the, the good seed, or the, uh, the parable of the sower. These were familiar to the people. The people were familiar, they related to it, and as he taught from, and he shared spiritual principles. And so several years ago, when I preached this message, I was sharing some things that I had learned and gleaned since I had lived on the farm. That was, I'd lived on the farm for four years. Well now I've lived on the farm for over 10 years. And from that time, I've grown in my understanding, but I've also found that through those natural examples, there's some deep-seated spiritual principles that I believe will help your life. If you will open your heart up and receive them today, I'm going to drop some bullet points in your heart that I think today will help change your perspective. How many of you know sometimes before a circumstance will ever change, your perspective has to change? And when your perspective changes, your heart can change And then the situation can change. Number one today, it's your responsibility to change it. Hmm. I know we're the generation that wants somebody else to do for us what we could do for ourselves. But that's not how God works. If you don't like something, change it. That's one of the things that I've learned on the farm Is that if there's something about it that I don't like, change it. But nobody's going to do it for me. I've got to do it myself. Nothing in your life is ever going to change and improve until you determine that it's your responsibility to change it. I have found in my Christian experience, and I've also found this on the farm. I have found that people will help me if I will help myself. In the proverb that we read, in Proverbs chapter number 20, Solomon didn't form a committee and go over and have the cleanup team to clean up that brother that was asleep in his house when he should have been out working. And I'm sorry, that's still the way that I feel. I have found I love to help people. I love, and I I go over to people's houses and we share relationship and friendship and work at times and people that roll their sleeves up and they work and they say, you know what, I'm a little bit limited, but if somebody would help me, I like to go up beside them and help those folks. But the people I struggle to help with are the people that are asleep in time of harvest. People that are just curled up and they think it's somebody else's job to change their life and they're gonna fret and they're gonna whine and they're gonna complain. I'm telling you, nothing's gonna change until you take responsibility to change it number two bullet points I've been the bullet point preacher towards the end of the year number two there is an order though no, there is an order there's a pace that you got to stay on there's a process and some of that is part of the learning curve I remember when I first purchased when we Sherry and I was able to first go out to the farm in 27 or excuse me, 2012. I was way out of order. I allowed my excitement for living on the farm to overwhelm uh, the process. And I'll tell you, you got to be very careful. One of the mistakes that I made or I, uh, at that time is I purchased animals when I did not have adequate facilities. Let me just give you an example of that just very quickly. And so what it means is, is, is I had some calves and a couple of cows. And, and I won't even tell you about the mistake made with horses. We'll just move on from that very quickly. But if you have uh, animals and you don't have the facilities that, is, that you need to take care of them, there will come a moment, I can promise you, there will come a moment when you need to take care of that animal and you can't capture that cow or that, or that, uh, or that calf in the middle of the field. By yourself, so there's an order to it. Process requires patience. Let me just go ahead and tell you this: This is how God works. You've got to learn to rule over small things before you will ever master many. If you won't give God the five loaves and the two fishes, if you won't tithe out of the two hundred dollars, are you out there, church family? So don't get ahead of yourself. There's an order. Stay the pace. Stay the course. Learn it. Number three today, work according to a plan. you got to work according to a plan. You can't just live life haphazardly. Are you out there today? You need to strategize, and you work according to a plan. you got to evaluate. You need to set goals, and I'm not talking about just New Year's resolutions. Are you out there today? And you got to adapt and adjust as necessary how many of you take inventory do y'all take inventory when i was in the military i was an inventory management specialist some of you call that a supply box kicker but i call it an inventory management specialist so i learned the need and the value of taking inventory because if you don't know what you have you don't know the productivity and the possibility if you're unsure of what you even got then how can god give you even more Right? And so from there, listen, you got to take inventory. you got to strategize. You know, I went through this a process of learning. I've told you this before. When I first moved on the farm in 2012, my neighbor called me rookie farmer. She said, you don't do that, rookie farmer. Rookie farmer. One time I, I, I put my hay bales, I bought some hay, and I put it over by the fence and, uh, to store it. And I looked out there one day, and her horses were eating across the fence, eating my hay. And so I texted her, and her name was Kathy, and we're good friends. I said, Kathy, your horses are eating my hay. And she texted back and said, you don't put your hay by the fence, rookie farmer. <laughs> so you've got to learn, and you've got to grow. You know what? One of the benefits today is called Google Maps. How many of you take advantage of Google Maps I do, I love, I know what sometimes, you think, Pastor Brown, he's in the office, he's studying, he's sermon, man, he's been in there for hours. I might be in there on Google Maps, and I'll take it off of the, uh, the transit and the drive, and I'll look at it from the satellite. And I'll put in my address, and I'll zoom it in right there, and I'm looking at my farm. And Terry's like, what are you doing? I'm looking at our farm. I'm looking here. Do I want to move that there? Do I want to move that over there? Is this working? What does this pasture look right over here? You know what I'm doing? I'm getting God's perspective of it. Come on, somebody! You need to get God's perspective. Look from above. Work according to a plan. Number four, I learned. I've learned this. I'm still learning. There's going to be seasons. You got to know your seasons, right? There are seasons in life. There are seasons on the farm. When Sherry and I first moved to the farm in 2012, man, we had beautiful spring weather in March and April, and there was grass, and it was awesome, and we went out and bought all those animals, and then about May 1st, we got the last drop of rain, and we didn't get rain again until September. And it was crazy in this area, and it was hard, and you had to learn to adapt. And farmers were selling off their animals, and all the home assembly knows they were working at the cell barn until way midnight. People were, uh, and we saw a little bit of this. And I've just learned this through the process of life. There are seasons in life. You got to know what season you're in, right? I'll probably talk to you more about that a little bit later. But you just have to learn. But you got to learn to stay the course. Stay the course. You know, there are times that I've always wanted to kind of to abandon the farm initially when there was a drought. But I heard, uh, as I was talking one time to Farron Galloway, and Brother Farron and I was talking about this very thing. Because since I've been in the farm, it's, we've had a drought three times since 2012. And, and, and Farron said, you know what? He said, an old fellow told me this years ago. He said, when it just seemed like it was never going to rain, he said, the old fellow just said to him, he said, it always does. And it always has. In essence, what he's saying is the season will change, and you just got to know what season it is, and you got to be willing to adapt with it, and I just want you to know as you go into the New Year church family, stay the course. Come on. You might be in a season where you're abounding, or you might be in a season where you're abased, but the, the, the apostle promises you can do all things through Christ, right? You can endure. Just know your season. Let God lead you, and he will. I love this one real quickly. It's not going to take me long to preach. These are just bullet points. Are y'all out there today? Life Lessons from the Farm is what the sermon could have been entitled. But I wanted you to hear this because it's an agricultural context. And it's important for you to see this. Go into the new year with a new hope. Go into the new year with a new perspective. And see it through the power of the gospel. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. He will. But he said, God wants you to be a faithful steward over what he commits into your life. Number five, good fences are a necessity. <laughs> Come on. And so, yeah, I heard Doug say amen. He said, well, it wasn't, they all weren't all that good. When I <laughs> hey, we worked hard on those fences, Doug. And so, but fences keep livestock in, and fences can hinder predators, Right, but let me tell you what fences really are. Fences are your parameters. You gotta know your parameters. What what fences do for me and my farm today, my my little what I call I call it a farm, it's just many, many cattle uh, ranch is what it is, is I actually have on our fifty-six acres, I actually have fifteen paddocks, what I call paddocks. So I do what's called rotational grazing. And this year was the last year that I, I received my grant. And this is how the federal government works, and I just want to thank you for supporting our federal government because for the last three years, you have paid me $2,700 a year to open my gate. Yes, I want you to know I received a grant from the federal government to open the gate. I don't, let me just, I know it's hard. Have you all seen who's running the government right now? That's why you think, about, how does that? I, don't, I know. If you have a gate, you typically design a gate to open it. And I had a gate. And then the government said, we're going to pay you to open that gate. And then we're going to pay you to close it. Who was I to say no to such a deal as that? Man, that, that, that brook dried up this year. It's the last year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I told Dr. Brassler, it's going to be a lot harder message today. What's the purpose of that gate? What's the purpose of that fence? What's the purpose of that paddock? It's to let the land rest. Let it rest. You need a parameter in your life, a perimeter and a parameter. There are some things that you have to say no to, right? Right? There are some things that you have to be able to say, you know what? I can go this far, but I can't go any farther. And everybody's parameters and everybody's fences are different. And, and I'm a weirdo now that I've been a farmer. I spent 40-something years, and I drove down the road, and I didn't look at any fences. I was oblivious to the fence. And now I'm driving down the road. Look right there. I'm just I'm looking at their barbed wire fence and seeing the post and how it's coming in. Because also spiritually, though, it's a very important part of your life. Walk in his ways, right? Walk in his ways. Number six today, bullet point number six. So there's only 10 of these. We're going to go through them very, very quickly. It is that you got to have good and multiple water sources. Amen. Come on, you got to have water flowing in your life. i tell you what, during the drought this year, we certainly experienced that. And ponds were drying up all over. And so I thank God today, again, part of the drought that I have is not only do I have ponds, but I also have water tanks. I had to work and put those in, but I have the accessibility for water to come in. As long as there's water at mountaintop, there'll be water on my farm. Did you know Adam had one river that flowed into the garden, but it parted four ways in the garden? But he also had the mitts from the ground. If you're going to change perspective in 2023, you've got to have multiple water sources bringing new life into your, into your heart and life. Right? First of all, just real quickly, the Bible tells us you have a well of salvation, and you draw from that well of salvation. But you also have the baptism in the Holy Spirit, right? Where that then, it goes from being a well to a river. Right? He goes from being a well to a river. But then not only that, but we also have the water of his word. Where the water of his word, where it cleanses our heart and mind before God. And then also we have times of outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of God is being poured out upon the body of Christ. And so I just want you to know it's it's imperative that you have a, a good water source, multiple water sources in your life, right, in order for you to be who God's called you to be. Number seven today. It's that in your life, you need to be prepared to tear down and build and also repurpose. Tear down, build, and repurpose. So when I became uh, on our previous farm, we didn't really have a lot to tear down. But the farm that we purchased now, there was a lot to tear down. And there was a lot of effort. And I'll tell you what, I hate to tear down things. It is old and nasty. And it's left over from a bygone generation. And it's difficult. How many you know that it's necessary at times? You know, there are old habits in your life that need to be torn down. Oh, I'm preaching way better than y'all shouting. Y'all have gotten quiet on me in here today. And that there are new disciplines that need to be rebuilt in their place, right? There are old relationships that need to be torn down, right? And new relationships need to be formed and fellowship that needs to be formed in its place. one thing that I learned on our new farm, though, is that some things you tear down, And some things you need to build, but sometimes you need to repurpose some things in life, right? There are some things that you have in your life. If you will take inventory and you'll look at things that God has given you and blessed you with, there are some things that you don't need to throw away or tear down. You just simply need to repurpose that for God's glory and for the kingdom of God. Number eight today, you got to guard against and be vigilant against predators. (laughs) If you live on a farm some person said, "If you have livestock, you will eventually have dead stock. You got to be vigilant against predators." Since Sherry and I've been on a farm for the last ten years, we've lost a dog to coyotes. We've lost a calf to coyotes. We've lost chickens to our dog, and to the neighbors' dogs. We've lost ducks. We've lost animals to uh, to flies. I've learned that not only is a coyote a predator, but so is pneumonia. I've learned that also uh, on the farm is that the grasshopper is not just fish bait. He's not just out there on the grass for me to catch to try to go fish in the pond. He's out there eating the grass that I'm hoping the cattle will eat. And army worms can come in and wipe a pasture out overnight. Let me just tell you today, just like God told Adam, you better be vigilant You better watch your garden, you better keep your garden. You better watch your garden, and you better keep your garden. Adam failed to keep his, right? The enemy came in and manipulated and deceived, right, and cost them the blessing of God. Aren't we exhorted by the Word of God to be sober and to be vigilant, right? Your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion. He walketh about seeking whom he may devour, Paul said, don't give place to the devil. James said, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So I want to encourage you as you pursue a new perspective for the calendar year of 2023, have live life with a constant vigilance, a constant vigilance, because the enemy, the adversary, comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And it takes our best effort to drive him away in Jesus' name. And lastly today, two things real quickly to close with. <laughs> this is some of my favorite, though. Weeds, thorns, and thistles. Everything is not what it seems. This is my greatest learning curve on the farm. I've learned in 10 years that the good grasses are difficult to grow at times. But I don't have to do anything to grow weeds, thorns, and thistles. (laughs) It's kind of painful to talk about. It's very deceptive. I told you this in 2016 because I learned this the second year on the farm, and I'm going to add to it just real quickly. But I'm getting ready to close. That's my way of saying slow down, calm down. I'm almost at the end. So have you ever seen a picture of a horse standing in a field of um, little yellow flowers? Anybody ever seen that picture? I should have put one. I should have had them put one up there. You could Google search that, and you would see there might be a thoroughbred. It might be... Um, you know, a quarter horse or something, it doesn't matter, and it's just, and it's in that beautiful backdrop, and you're like, oh, man, that's so awesome, and so I remember that second year we were on the farm, the first year was the drought, second year on the farm, we had this beautiful little yellow flower begin to come up all over the farm, and I had researched, I thought I had researched it, but I have a tendency to read things too fast, and I'd read over it, and I thought that I'd read that it was palatable, and it was healthy for the animals, and I was out there, I discovered the name of it was called Buttercup, And I said, and buttercup, and I was even singing about it because there was an old uh, little tune about it. You know, I was like buttercup, buttercup, and I was just singing, my cat are going to eat the buttercup. (laughs) And then I found out that that it means a noxious plant. is what it means. It is poisonous. So it's not what you often think it is. And so very, very quickly. So when I got to the new farm, uh, so Shane and I spent some time, you know, out west hunting in Kansas and Nebraska. And they have you ever been out there? There's a great prairie grass out there. And so, uh, and I've laid in that prairie grass where I've turkey hunted many times, and I've marveled at it, and I've seen how the, well the cattle do. And we got to the new farm, and the second year, because the first year wasn't really much of it growing, because, but that's another story. The second year, though, I had this grass begin to come up, and it was all over the farm, and it wasn't buttercup, it wasn't a weed. And I said, my goodness, and I thought, I said, that looks just like the grass that's out in Kansas and Nebraska. And I thought to myself, I said, would it be that God directed our paths and here we are living in Arkansas, and we've got pr- native prairie grass right here on our farm. This is going to be so awesome. And I was b- walking in pride. I was thankful. I was walking in pride like nobody else has got. It. And then that grass kept getting taller, and it kept getting taller, and it kept getting taller. And pretty soon, Papa was out there mowing it down on a bush hog for me. It was about that tall back there, running over it right there because it was called sage grass is what it was which has hardly any palatability to it as it gets later in life. So what's the point of you saying here, Pastor Brown? I'm going to say you don't have to do anything for weeds, thorns, thistles, and things that are not good for you to be planted in you. You don't have to do anything, but you, what you have to do is you want that stuff out of you, right? You've got to be willing to pluck up, right? You've got to be willing to dig up some things, re-plow the field if necessary, and plant good things in their place. Right, those are things that you better learn if you're gonna have a new perspective. Some of you have got things growing in your mind, some of you got things growing in your heart that you gotta pluck up because you're wanting God to give you the desires of your heart, but some of your desires that are in your heart are not of Him. There are some things that are growing inside of you. You know, I'm dealing with a stupid thing right now called horse nettle. Don't even get me started on horse nettle, I've gone from buttercup to sagegrass to horse nettle. And so there are these things everywhere we go. We live in a fallen world. And people will drop things inside of you that can spread all in your garden. And you've got to take authority over it. And you've got to take it, have a management strategy that extracts it from your life. So I encourage you in the name of Jesus. It's critical. It's critical to your management of your life as you go into 2023. If God's going to give you the desires of your heart. And lastly today, number 10, I'll close with this. You have to reinvest. Pastor Brown, how much money have you made in 10 years? It's been a lot. Like zero. It's the experience. what MasterCard can't provide. (laughs) My humor is so much farther than y'all's ability to (laughs) process it here today. I told you I was in a good mood, a good spirit. And I'm, I'm... I'm closing on this point right here real quickly, and we're going to summarize this for a moment. Reinvest. I did learn this over the last 10 years, is that financial productivity is very, very, very slow. Matter of fact, let me say it one more time. I don't know if you really understood that. Financial productivity on the farm is like very, 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 very slow. Almost anneal. Just when you think you have a little bit, you finally made something, you turn around and you buy another piece of equipment or another weed pops up and you have to spray or whatever it is. But, but, but at the same time, you learn that's part of it. You got to reinvest. You have to reinvest. It can't just be for your personal consumption. Your life in 2023 can't just be about you. Come on, church family. Are you out there today? It's got to be, you, you've got to say, this has happened. My harvest must be reinvested in the lives of other people. If it's a good year, if it's a good year, I pray it's a good year. How many of you believe that? You pray that. We spoke. There, there's something that shifts in our mind when the calendar date shifts. If it's a good year, it's not just for you. It's so that you can reinvest into other people. You can reinvest in your family you can reinvest in your church family, you can reinvest in the kingdom of God. And I'm not just talking about monetary uh, issues. I'm talking about just your own perspective, your health, right, your smile, right, your handshake, your calling and checking on somebody, you're investing in their lives. That's the favor of God. I believe God will give us the desires of our heart if we delight in Him. Do y'all believe that today? Darrell, would you join me as I close this morning today, this message? If you delight in him, originally entitled a message, your life can be what you choose to make it. It can be overgrown with thorns and thistles, or it can be a pleasant garden. But you have to decide for yourself. One of the things when we go into the decision something that I've told my sons more than my daughters because of the wording of it. The way I choose to say this phrase to them is I say this to them when they're asking me certain things related to my opinion on some things. And, I, and, I'm, and I'll give it, and I'll give the advice. I said, but you're a grown man. You have to decide for yourself. I want you to know God's will is to bless your life. I believe that with my whole heart. I don't believe there's a single person God said, I'm going to curse that person. I don't believe that. I believe that God's will is for him to bless us in 2023. But I may need to change the perspective that's inside me. I may need to pull down some thoughts and imaginations. I may need an attitude adjustment. I may need to correct certain behavior. Are you hearing me today? And the fruitful, productive life that I believe God has intended for me is within my grasp. But I have to do my part, don't you? We have to do our part. The principles that I've given you today, those are bullet points. Some of you probably jotted them down. Others of them maybe went in here, and you're going to walk out of here today, and you're not going to remember all 10. That's the beauty of having an online ministry. We can go; You can go back, and you can follow this. A bullet point. A bullet point is something that you can then ponder on. It's your responsibility to change it. There's an order. Work according to a plan. Know your seasons. Good fences are a necessity. Multiple, multiple water sources. Tear down, build, repurpose. Be vigilant against predators. Weeds, thorns, and thistles, and reinvest. It's all about God God doing a new work in your heart and life, but it begins, let me tell you, it begins with a new perspective. It just does. It's gotta be more than a resolution, right? It can't just be, okay, I'm gonna carbon copy somebody else's. God puts you in your garden. He gives you an opportunity for you to be a faithful steward. Now, what are you gonna do with it? I tell you what, I've had some time in my life this past year to think about. There are times when I've allowed certain things amongst the culture to rob me of my joy. I'm not gonna let that happen in 2023. I'm gonna fight that off in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody, right? I, there are just certain things. But, but, but see, the reason why I can say that is is because I'm willing to inventory my own heart and life. I'm willing to acknowledge that when the Spirit of God illuminates something in my heart and life, that I, that I see that it's not, it's not of his will for that to be in my heart and mind and in my life, then I've got to have the courage to pull it out. I've got to have the courage to repent of it. I've got to have the courage to walk away from it. So again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize the, the sermon just real quickly. The sermon is kind of in this context, and it's in this right here. Your life can be what you hope it and what you long for it to be, but you've got to do your part. You've got to be willing. You've got to, be, you've got to draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. You've got to let him correct you. right? You've got to let him mold you and shape you, direct you. You've got to be accountable for your life to others, to him. That's what I hope happens in 2023. We can have a great year. you believe that today? You can have a great year. But sometimes we've got to change right here. And it's got to go to change right here. I do know this, I do know this, your mind won't change if your heart doesn't change first. Can I say it again? It's not about changing your mind first, it's about changing your heart first. If your heart is right, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in Him, and He will give you the desires of your heart. I want to ask you to stand up with me today. Let's do something Let's do something. Let's come to the altar as a family, a group, a church family. And I don't have to. I don't have to set aside any person today. I don't have to call anybody and say this message is for you. This message was for everybody today, for all of us. I want you to begin to just pray, if you would, on your own, and we're going to pray a corporate prayer. But I want to ask you just to begin to commit your ways to the Lord. Commit your ways to Him. Let the Lord move in your heart and life today. I feel his presence today. God is so good to us. Lord, you're just so kind to us today. Father, I know I I preach long to the people, just my pattern. God, but I've given them good word. I've given them good word today. God, I've given them your word from Proverbs 24 and from Psalm 37. Father, I'm giving them good word today, Father, that they can ponder it and meditate on it and think about it as they think about the calendar year turning. God, I've told them things like this in the past. I've preached this sermon in the past. The calendar can change, but your season may not. And so today I shared with point number four, Father, they got to know their seasons. God, everybody's season is different. Father, we know that in the natural, it's January, it's winter. But, in Father, seasonally, we're all over the place, God. Everybody's life is a little bit different. I pray, Lord, today that, God, we know who we are and where we are and what you're doing in our heart and life, and we allow you to do it. I want to ask you, church family, if you will, for just a minute, just a few minutes today, it would be a shame, it would be a shame on the first day of the year for us to walk away from here, and we didn't really get real personal with God on our own in prayer. We didn't really seek and search and Paul said, examine yourself. Are you in the faith? Are you walking in the faith? Have you began the new year in the right perspective? Are you beginning the new year with, with, with your hope and, 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 and with, uh, with, with the anticipation of God to do great things in your life for the glory of God? I pray right now in Jesus' name, every man, every woman, I said sometimes you got to take inventory. Sometimes you got to search your own heart and mind. Paul said, examine your own heart search yourself. The psalmist said, Lord, search me if there be any evil way in me. Who prays that prayer? I pray that prayer. I hope that you do as well, God. The the things that you find in me, God, in the name of Jesus, I want to pluck them up. I don't want them to abide in my heart, God. Tendencies that I've had, Father, in Jesus' name. Father God, weaknesses of my flesh, carnal appetites, habits, God, that I've given place to. that They're like the army worm, Father God. They're robbing me and my family, Father. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you'll give me the grace, God, Father God, to be able to address those areas of my heart and my life. Father, let me heed what God said, what you said, Father, to Adam when you placed him in the garden. You said to till it and to keep it. God, may we till and keep our own garden, Father, in the name of Jesus, searching out these matters, God. I pray this, Father, over every one of us. God, over every one of us. Your word says, Father, that if we will delight ourselves in you, you will give us the desires of our heart. What are your desires, church family? What are your desires? What are the things that God's placed inside of you, that you're hoping and praying, in 2023, you'll begin to see some of those things come to pass. I want to encourage you to begin to envision those things. Again, the scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Do you see yourself walking in it? Do you see yourself fulfilling a biblical mandate do you see your marriage having a greater uh, blessing than what it's had in the past or your family? Do you see yourself following the Lord in a new adventure in 2023? Do you see yourself transitioning? Transition. Maybe some of you are headed into retirement. A new season of life that's about to come about. Do you, do you envision it? Do you ponder it? Do you, think, do you look at it from God's perspective not just from your perspective, but from God's perspective. God, help each one of us, Father, in the name of Jesus. We're going to pray a closing prayer. We're going to pray for the calendar year. The calendar year. God's a God of time and seasons. And sometimes, I'm going to be honest, I believe He's more seasonal than He is time. But the truth is, He's still a God of time. When this calendar year turned, we're going to believe that God is turning things inside of us, shifting things, moving things, for His blessing to come upon us and our family. If you're with your spouse, hold them dear and let's pray together. If you're by yourself or if your spouse isn't with you or if you're not married, then you and the Lord, you and the Lord, we're going to pray together. We're going to pray God's covenant blessing upon our families this year. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, as the pastor of this great fellowship, I pray over every man and every woman right here, right now, under the sound of my voice. I've given them opportunity, Father. God, I've given every person opportunity to, to search, given every person opportunity to repent, given every person every, an opportunity to think and ponder. And now come to this moment, Father, right here where if there is any such thing as pastoral authority, if there is any such thing as a pastoral anointing, God, I pray, Father, for that anointing right now, that I might bless your people, God, in the name of Jesus. A prophetic anointing. I remember, Father God, that when the, the woman whose house that the prophet Elisha and his servant were staying at, that, Father God, that when he found out that she had no child, He spoke a prophetic word about a time. He said, about this time next year. About this time next year. God, if there's any prophetic gifting and calling and unction, I pray, God, that, Father, through the course of this year, you will give the men and women of this assembly the desires of their heart. Give them the desires of their heart as they delight themselves in you and they commit themselves to you God I pray Lord today bring dead things to life again father bring favor from afar God I pray let the enemy's voice be silenced God father let contentions be overcome let there be healing in the home Let hearts that have been hurting and wounded be healed I pray this over our church family God give them the very desires of their heart among us today are some entrepreneurs, God, people with an entrepreneurial spirit, God, that have been praying for an opportunity. Let this be the year when the revelation comes, Father God, of the direction in Jesus' name. God began to, Father, I pray that to quicken that in their heart and mind. In this group of people are some peacemakers, Father God, who have seen it as their life's work to help bring and to bridge, God, Give them that opportunity, Father God, from the relationships that have been fragmented. God, let things be healed, God, relationally, Lord, I pray, in the name of Jesus. The young adults, God, among us, those that will be nearing high school graduation, college graduation, pondering job change, God, I pray, order their steps. Come on, somebody, order their steps as they delight themselves in you, God. Father, and I don't want to leave out our senior saints among us, God, those that are retiring, near retirement, or in retirement, God. Let them live a life, Father God, where they reinvest the favor and the blessing of God back into other people. Let them reinvest the fullness of blessing that you have placed upon them. We're going to trust that 2023 is going to be a year of the good things of God. Come on, somebody. You believe that today? So I bless them. If there's any prophetic gifting in my heart and life, and if there's any pastoral authority and pastoral anointing, God, I bless my church family, Father, as we join our faith in agreement for the blessing of God in 2023. Give us the desires of our heart as we delight ourselves in you, God. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, come on, somebody, amen and amen and amen.